Paul Kerharski Podcast is brought to you by the Yazoo Brewing Company, celebrating 15 years of beer in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome in to a weekend edition of the Paul Kuharski podcast from paulkuharski.com. I'm Paul Kuharski. I always work in the name three times right there at the beginning when I am running solo. Brought to you by Yazoo Brew. Great Nashville beer. You should fill up your fridge with it if you haven't already for the opening weekend of college football. What's left of it. And uh, as we head into NFL season, I'm particularly fond of the Hefeweizen. And you should be too. Uh, Madison Blevins went to uh, Charlotte to watch the Vols get pounded by West Virginia. And uh, so I'm flying solo here, but I've gotten a lot of questions about the Titans roster. Uh, and so dedicate this this whole pod to answering uh, some of your questions and really hitting on uh, just a couple things that I find particularly significant after the Titans are down to 53 um, if you're listening to this after Sunday afternoon, this roster will have been revised at least a little bit, I would imagine. Uh, and the candidates, obviously, to uh, to lose out in that would start with the four undrafted rookies, uh, Cameron Batson, the wide receiver. Um, I think Anthony Ferkser could also uh, be at risk there for an upgrade. But the, the four undrafted guys, Batson, Stinney, Finch, and Dickerson. I think Finch uh, is, an, is an awfully promising pass rusher, rusher and would be the safest. Um, Cameron Batson, um, Aaron Stinney, uh, a guard, Batson, a receiver, and a returner. Dickerson, the final defensive lineman. Um, none of them you know, stood out in a huge way in the in the preseason, at least not in the games. And the thing that strikes me about the four of them, we saw Julius Wormsley as an example early kind of move up the depth chart. Uh, he moved from a three to a two, and he got some time e- even higher at times. Um, and Mike Vrabel, we all made uh, kind of a big deal when Mike Vrabel said, hey, you know, uh, you want to reward a guy with more than attaboys a couple days in a row if he does a drill particularly well and you're complimenting him. Um, and he does that a couple times, you want there to be a tangible reward for him. And we saw that happen with Wormsley. But uh, in in terms of game time, I mean, we saw it happen with Finch, and we knew Finch was the breakout guy in this group of undrafted rookies. Um, But I don't remember Cameron Batson getting much playing time with Marcus Mariota. Uh, Stinney played, you know, the same as any of the second-team players Offensive lineman, uh, you know, and Dickerson was, I, I thought, clearly behind Warmsley in all of this. So I wish I could remember who tweeted it out, but I think they were dead on. Th- this roster tells us that preseason performance in the games means even less than we had come to conclude, and we had really minimized what those performances mean. Now, there are some weird circumstances there. Uh, Wormsley is over five years older than Dickerson, and I'm sure that's a factor. And we're looking at uh, potential versus ceilings on some of these guys, right? The Batson over Nick Williams uh, would be an example of that to me. Uh, Stinney certainly uh, a surprise. I didn't know that they'd they'd keep nine there, and maybe maybe Kevin Pomphile is is the guy more at risk there. Uh, I think they could use a veteran interior guy that might be better than what they've got right now, though I think Corey Levin uh, has improved quite a bit as that swing guy. Um, But 
The preseason didn't tell us that much. I wrote, if you didn't see it, Finch made $42,000 to sign. Dickerson, 15000 Stinney, 5000 Batson, 8000 That is a total of $70,000 of guaranteed money to those four guys on the initial 53. Again, I think they all could be at risk based on uh, waiver claims uh, and, and – uh, and free agent signings here. And the one guy that's most intriguing to me, whose name I saw on Saturday was John Simon. Um, it's crazy. I read Bob Kravitz uh, in, in Indianapolis about John Simon. I mean, that's far too good a player for the Colts to be giving up on, given the fact that the Colts are hardly loaded on defense. And yes, they've changed to a four, three from a three, four, and he might not be an ideal fit. Uh, but his effort and skill set to, to Kravitz demanded that he be part of that team. Um, and I, I'm, I'm surprised to see that. Apparently it's not that big a surprise um, in, in Indianapolis to some from what I've read. But I think, uh, I think Simon is a good player. And while I think the Titans are, are pretty set with the outside linebackers, right, They've got some injury problems. You've got Arakpo uh, back in the mix but didn't play in the entire preseason. Morgan, I think, is going to miss at least a game or two here coming off knee surgery after the Bucks game that I reported. Um, and then uh, third would be Landry, who's got a bad ankle and is, is uh, sounds certain to miss at, at least a game at the beginning, not that you're making roster moves based off making, missing a game. But then you've got uh, Aaron Wallace and uh, and Correa, Kamale Correa, the the, the new guy, uh, and Finch. I, I I like Wallace and Finch a great deal. John Simon's better football player uh, than Aaron Wallace or Sharif Finch. So uh, he knows um, he knows Vrabel from time together in Houston. Plus, he's a Buckeye. So. Uh, there's some familiarity there for uh, Mike Vrabel. I wonder if it's not intriguing. I, you know, I don't think it's written in stone. A- Aaron Wallace is a promising guy. Sharif Finch is a promising guy. John Simon, to me, is better than both of them. That's uh, I'd be intrigued to see. Now, he may find better opportunity somewhere else. I don't think he's subject to waivers uh, because because he's been in the league uh, as long as he has. He's not. So uh, could easily land somewhere else. but. Uh, I'd be investigating him if I were the Titans. Um, On to your questions. Uh, Brian Nakashima asks, can I please tell Titans Twitter to shut up about looking at Corey Coleman? Hey, Titans Twitter, shut up about looking at Corey Coleman. If the guy's not good enough to help the Browns or the Bills, I don't know what makes you think he's good enough here. You saw a little bit of him on hard knocks. He's not a particularly hard worker. Uh, from what we saw in practice there. And uh, while the Titans could use some speed at wide receiver, they need a guy that could also run routes and, uh, and and be a smart player for them at wide receiver. And he doesn't fit the culture from what I could tell. So I, I don't know why you'd get excited about him. Drinking a little caffeine there. Shiloh White asks, who surprised you on making the 53 and which new player that made the cut do I see making the biggest impact? Um, I mean, I think I talked through the surprises there. Those four undrafted rookies are a surprise. Um, th- three of them are. Finch isn't a surprise. Batson is a surprise, and I don't know that he's on the roster past Sunday when they make uh, waiver claims. Stinney is a surprise. I mean, I think he did fine. I'm just surprised they found room for him. 
Dickerson is a surprise. I knew they liked him during camp, but I don't think that he played uh, particularly well. Um, so uh, those guys all surprised me, uh, surprises me a little bit that Wadley didn't make it. Um, it surprises me a, a little bit that Ferkser did make it. Um, and I think he's a guy that they could be looking to upgrade because they need they, they need better blocking than they've gotten from the tight ends in the preseason. You know what you're going to get from Delaney Walker. Johnny Smith's not been as good a blocker as they need. Uh, Luke Stocker's not been as good a blocker as they need. And Ferks are more a pass catcher than, than a blocker. So um, if there's not a new tight end on the roster, I would think there'd be a new tight end on the practice squad that could bring them some immediate help in the blocking game um, if and when if and when they feel like they need it. Uh, and that leads to Titans fan for life nine on Twitter, whose uh, name on Twitter is coverage, consistency and front multiplicity. You can see what a diehard he is. He said, why did they keep decide to keep four tight ends? Maybe stocker at fullback. Well, yeah, I mean, look, they moved on from fullback um, and, and they've been playing a tight end in that role on the rare occasion where they put a second guy in the backfield. Um, but that, that doesn't have anything to do with it here. I mean, they're still very much or, or can very often be a two tight end team. Uh, the only reason we didn't have them keeping four tight ends is because we didn't think there was a fourth tight end worthy of it. Not that they didn't need uh, four tight ends. I mean, if, if you're going to play two tight ends a decent share of the time, perhaps in your base offense, you need four. You just didn't see four. Uh, here and and you wonder something like like um you know batson could be a guy that ends up on the practice squad here um if a guy like that winds up being a placeholder um if a guy like batson winds up being a placeholder um you know then you've got a little bit of a lead in terms of getting him on your practice squad actually because everybody will have made their their moves uh sunday and, and be getting into game plan mode on Monday. And, and uh, the guys you cut tomorrow aren't hitting the waiver wire until Monday. So it might be a little easier to, quote, unquote, sneak them through waivers and and, uh, and be able to get them on your practice squad. But, um, you know, so I, I, I don't know if Ferkser is, is a long-timer in, in that position, but I think they need a fourth tight end. So I thought maybe they'd keep Wadley as a fourth running back. Um, and hold on to him a little bit longer. And then if you cut him, maybe you'd have an easier time getting him to the practice squad. And uh, while you were claiming a, a tight end to fill in that fourth spot, which you didn't have on the initial roster, I thought that was a possibility. That's obviously not the route that they went. Um, John Feely at John Feely 720 asks, which position do you see the Titans looking to add? If they do add anyone that's, uh, do add anyone that's been cut. He doesn't mean anyone that's been cut. I think he means to, to replace somebody that's been cut or that's how I'm going to answer it. I would rank, um, I would rank blocking tight end. Well, let me write them out first and then I'll rank them. Blocking tight end, I think is a need. Um, you know, I'm not convinced pass rusher isn't completely taken care of. Um, I think they they could use a veteran uh, swing offensive lineman, um, and and I think they you know it's got to be somebody more dynamic wide receiver whether he's replacing Batson or or Darius Jennings, 
Um, so I, 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 I mean, we've been talking about wide receiver so long. I'd say wide receiver one, uh, blocking tight end two, uh, pass rusher three. And I only put it that low because I think they, they like the guys they've got, even though they could upgrade. Like I was talking about, there was Simon, veteran swing lineman four. I'd say those are the top things that come to mind for me there. Let's see if I'm forgetting anything here. I like, the cornerback group, obviously, uh, with Durden getting the last spot, which would have gone to Ty Smith or Kalen Reed ahead of him. But I think he's shown himself well in those preseason games, which have, have proven not to mean much. Safeties, um, you know, you'd like a little bit more experience there, but hopefully Crookshank uh, can come on. So you've got Byard and Vaccaro as the starters. Kendrick Lewis is the experienced backup. Dan Crookshank is the – Inexperienced bank up and uh, back up and and Trawick is uh, is the special teamer. Linebackers on the inside, you've got uh, you've got Brown and and Walker. I would think Brown's going to be starting, but we don't know. There could be a platoon with Compton until Evans is healthy and ready to go. Uh, those four plus Darren Bates, who's a heavy special teamer. Uh, outside backers, we ran through where you've got uh, Morgan, Arakpo. Um, Landry and then um, Aaron Wallace and uh, Finch. So I think that's pretty good, though. You know, those back two guys aren't irreplaceable. Wide receiver, we knew the top four were going to be Matthews, Davis, Taylor, Sharp. Um, Bats in a surprise. Darius Jennings have had in for a while. Um, Offensive line is one more than I expected, though, uh, you know, with Conklin on there, you need the ninth probably because Conklin's not going to play for a while. Um, So you're good with your three tackles. You need a fourth tackle for the time being and and, uh, because Conklin's not going to play early and you would think Pamphile is that guy, Pamphile, or somebody who replaces him. And then you've got your two starting guards plus Stinney and Corey Levin. Uh, Levin being the backup at center and guard. So they're pretty deep at guard there, not not necessarily as top-heavy as you'd like. Uh, so that was a long-winded answer to John's question. Uh, UW, 86. I'm surprised Trawick and Bates made the team. I know versatility is preached, but is it difficult to find players that can play teams and also contribute in the defense slash offense? Are special teams that specialized and difficult to learn? That's a fair question by all means, but uh, you'll remember back in the day of Tim Shaw and Patrick Bailey, those were backup linebackers, but they weren't called on to play linebacker very often. They were special teams anchors uh, for Jeff Fisher's Titans, and you need a couple guys like that. I get what you're saying. I, I I wish that Bates was a better linebacker and a better option at linebacker, and I wish that Trawick was a better safety and a better option at safety. But you know, for your last guy at those positions, they have to be good special teamers, and they really like those guys on special teams. So I, I don't think there's a- anything wrong with that. Um, it's just it's just part of the equation. Um, Jose Martinez, 
Jim Martinez 91 on Twitter says with aging outside linebackers and having to not part with a young player and yes, give up two first round picks, but spread within two years and still getting a second rounder back. Should John Robinson maybe have looked into this a bit more? He's talking about Khalil Mack. Um, and that trade was a little bit more expensive than that for, uh, for the bears. So the bears gave up two first rounders. They got a second rounder back. They also gave up a third and a sixth uh, in exchange for Khalil Mack, who then gets a record-breaking deal. Look, if you're getting one of the best players in football and certainly one of the very best defensive players in football, the price tag is going to be high. Um, But the Titans don't have things structured to allow for that massive cap hit for Mack, so I could understand them not being in the mix there. It's an awful lot of draft capital um, to give up, though you would expect that your uh, your first-rounders and all of your picks are a lot lower in the round with Khalil Mack on your team than they would be without him. I don't know if he looked into it or not, um, but I do think it's the kind of move that's more comfortably made earlier in your quarterback's career, right? So Trubisky's going into year two, but Mariota's going into year four. Uh, if Mariota has the season or two that they are expecting from him now, he's going to cost an awful lot of money. Uh, you've already paid Lawan. Uh, you have some other guys who are coming up in the next next bit here. Um, you know, you're going to – and uh, Bayard, you know, as one who's going to be a costly guy. I, I, they could have made it work. I just think it's a uh, – and and I think we overrate the draft value, generally speaking. But when you look at giving away the draft capital, um, changing kind of the construct of your team in terms of experience and finance, uh, financial investment by position and all of that, um, I, I don't object to the fact that they let somebody else do it. It certainly – would have been uh, intriguing. Meta World Nielsen at Samuel L. Neeson asks, is Eminem still a titan of the music industry? To which I say he was never a titan of the music industry to me. Um, So we'll put it that simply there. Let's see what else you guys have on your mind. Uh, um, Avi from my... um, all 22 asked if uh, if Mac kind of changes the paradigm for for guys, you know, the team control with um, you know franchise tag for for conceivably three more years. Um, it, it, are more players going to to try this approach now? I, I don't think so because I think the the Raiders' inability or unwillingness to pay him is the huge uh, the huge factor here, right? Um, if you hold out in your fifth year moving forward to avoid the franchise tag in your fifth and sixth year, um, I think most teams are going to find a deal for you, right? Um, I mean, I, I think this reflects more poorly on the Raiders' willingness to work things out or their ability to work things out or their ability to afford things as a team in, in a bit of a financial transition as they're getting ready to move to Las Vegas. Um, I think it's an unusual circumstance, and I I don't imagine that we're going to see it uh, too 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 often. Um, 
once in a while. The Bears now a, a non-player in a lot of ways at the top of the next couple drafts. And, you know, again, if Mac gets them good, which I think they need more than just Mac, but if he helps them get good, then they, um, you know, second rounder that they're uh, getting back from, from, uh, from the Raiders who could be getting bad, you know, it's not it's not as costly as it might have been. I didn't think anybody was giving up two firsts, and it looks like nobody's given a you know nobody obviously nobody's willing to give up two firsts outright without getting something high back as well. So um, it's going to be very interesting to watch. The other thing about Chicago is, I mean, do we think they're better today um, than uh, the Packers or the Vikings? They're not. So it's really more about um, really more about a couple of years down the road still for the Titans. It would have been a kind of go for it now move. Uh, Brian Flanagan asks if Nick Williams injury played a role in things. Caraway was a surprise to him as well. I think if Conklin was healthy, Stenny wouldn't have made it and Caraway's odds might've been a bit better. Think about Caraway and look, we all liked Caraway, but they had Wallace Finch and Caraway. Once they traded for Correa, we knew one of those guys was going to be in trouble. Uh, I would think Caraway will be on the practice squad if he goes unclaimed, but I think there's a chance he gets claimed. He's pretty good. Um, and it was Taylor Lewan who gave me a, a very good compliment about him unsolicited in a piece I did lately about Taylor Lewan's hand placement where uh, he talked about how good Caraway is at, uh, at, with, his, with his hands and with getting an offensive lineman's hands off of him. You know, and said Caraway's one of those guys that could make him on a good snap make Lawan reset his hands two or three times uh, through a snap. So um, that's interesting. I think Williams' hamstring uh, could have helped Batson for sure. Gil Nash, at Nash Gill, says he didn't like the Falk pick when it happened, and he sure doesn't like it now. Totally wasted that one. I don't think uh, – look, you spend a sixth rounder on a quarterback, you are not expecting immediate impact. If you were thinking that he was going to get past Blaine Gabbert, your hopes were unrealistic. He was not going to be the backup on this team. So um, he's going to be a developmental guy. And it's a, it's an incredible luxury to be able to keep a developmental guy on your 53. So I think the odds that there's a team out there that like Luke Falk and that has room for him on their 53 are very low. He'll clear waivers. They'll put him on the practice squad. And that's probably what they expected. Now, I, he's not very good. I'm not sure what they saw in him. His, I don't know that his arm is going to get very much stronger. He's going to have to anticipate things a lot more quickly in order to get the ball out uh, on deeper stuff earlier. Uh, I said that right before the preseason finale, and then he overthrew Devin Ross on the on the first play of the game as if to show us that he had a big enough arm to do so. But uh, you know, sixth-round pick on the practice squad who needs time to develop is pretty pretty common formula at quarterback or at anywhere else. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't uh, pin too much on that. Checking uh, one more pass on Facebook, see if you've got anything else on there. Members are on the uh, paulkuharski.com private Facebook page where we have a lot of conversations. Uh, that's one of the benefits of membership along with uh, access to these podcasts, which are usually the first third is free and the rest of it is, uh, is members only. Uh, everything I write um, and Periscope slash Facebook live broadcasts 
that uh, are available only only to members. Uh, so that and uh, two pieces a week by Blake Bettingfield, the former Titans scout. He scouted for the Titans for 19 seasons. The last six through 2017, he was college scouting director. He's writing a piece in advance of every Titans game and after every Titans game, giving us a scout's viewpoint. And a lot of people are saying that alone is worth the price of admission. $5.99 a month or 12 months for the price of 11 if you buy a year's membership at paulkuharski.com. Just hit the membership button on the top right. Or if you're on a mobile device, hit the three lines and it will come up as one of the options. Uh, so we appreciate uh, appreciate that. Brandon Smith on Twitter asks, does Marcus seem more confident to me? Is it because of the quarterback, coach, the OC, or a healthy offseason? I don't know that he seems more confident. I mean, the way he talks, maybe he seems a little bit more confident. Uh, on the field, uh, you know, some of those, those plays, the bad miss to Corey Davis in game three, uh, the bad miss to Corey Davis in game two, I think it was, uh, he seemed to lack conviction on those throws, almost like a guy uh, on the 18th green uh, who doesn't really believe his read on a putt and doesn't didn't hit it uh, assertively enough. And uh, lacking conviction that way is uh, is a dangerous thing. I, I think he's a confident guy. I think he will be confident in this offense. But I circle back again to what Dan Orlovsky told us on the Midday 180 way back when Matt LaFleur was hired uh, – during Super Bowl week, he said this offense is kind of uh, awkward for a quarterback who who knows other things and that it takes a while. And then eventually it clicks in and everything becomes kind of second nature. But for that a time, for a time uh, during the learning process, there's, there's something kind of unnatural about it. And so I, I that carried a lot of weight for me. Orlovsky learned the system in Houston. Uh, under Kyle Shanahan, and um, that just has really stuck with me. And I don't think Mariota's there yet. His teammates, a couple, Delaney Walker, uh, um, Taewon Taylor, both said that that Mariota's got it down and everybody else has to catch up. But uh, it didn't look great. I mean, people didn't take it great when everybody said he's got it down right after that game, uh, the third preseason game against uh, – was the third one Pittsburgh where he didn't didn't look very good at all so we shall see uh I think that's going to wrap it on the roster review I appreciate you coming in it's a quicker episode than usual I hope I help get you through a workout or commute or uh sneak away for for a half an hour somewhere along the lines on this holiday weekend more to come at paulkuharski.com about waiver claims and uh and everything else that goes on with the roster and the next day or two and then they get into their usual rhythm monday we'll talk to Vrabel, talk to some assistant coaches have an open locker room tuesday they'll they'll finish their game plan wednesday we'll get our first injury report which uh will reveal some things that we've not known before my thanks to yazoo brew uh, you know them from their distinct triangular red and white logo. Uh, buy some, take some with you to the Labor Day party you're headed to uh, or to the pool and uh, drink responsibly. It's tasty stuff. As I said, I'm partial to the Hefeweizen. You've been listening to the PaulKuharski.com podcast. This is Paul Kuharski. Thanks a lot for joining me. The Paul Kuharski podcast is a joint production of PaulKuharski.com and Vocal. 
For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.